Let your yes be yes and your no be no. With all these things, though, I want to remind you that the kingdom of God, this is not an earned kingdom, but this is a gift given to us in our hearts. So what I want to make really clear as we walk through all these aspects where Jesus is exegeting and explaining to the people, he's explaining the law. He's explaining what God wants and what pleases God and what his kingdom's like. I want to make it very clear and remind you that this is not about a kingdom workout. I mean, this is not about a kingdom tryout. Like, if you try out, you'll make the team. I mean, we all know there are, there's, there's some leagues, right? There's the friendly intramural league, and then there's the tryout league, the competitive league. And the kingdom of God that's described here, it's not about you coming to the tryout and measuring up to Jesus' teaching. But it is about working it out. Because grace is not opposed to earning it's opposed to earning, but not to effort. So we want to have this kingdom worked out in our hearts. We want to have these things worked out, and we want to work them out in our lives. Even though we know that we never come in deserving God's love. We never come in deserving his mercy. We never come in deserving this kingdom. And yet, when we're forgiven right? When we're forgiven, we read this stuff about anger. We read this stuff about lust. We read this stuff about every area of our life. And we say, first of all, if there were tryouts, we would be like the kid that got picked last. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Be like the like boys basketball. It's like, all right, shirts and skins. You know what I mean? Like, take our shirts off and like, oh, that one's last. <laughs> That'd be us. If, if, if we were exposed, if we were truly had to take our shirts off and were exposed for who we really were in our thoughts and in our heart, none of us make the team. Yet God in his love, he brings us on his team and then he has practice. And he wants you to come to practice. <laughs> he wants you to get better. He wants you to work this stuff out. So we want to work out this kingdom. And everyone who's forgiven, everyone who's a Christian, everyone who's started their life over again and have asked God into their life, and God is living in you, which means he's leading you, it means that you feel bad about stuff you used to do. I know some of you have experiences, and some of you have experiences more recently. The stuff that you used to do, you feel bad about it and you used to love it. And then you hate things that you used to love, and you love things that you used to hate. If that's you, 
and you're on that path and you become new and you know you're forgiven, that means you have some kingdom working out to do and it's worked out at the level of the heart. It starts there. So we don't get to read this. We don't get to read this passage or last week's passage. For example, we don't get to read last week's passage and see what it says about divorce and then conclude that, you know what? Um, since we're Jesus people, um, we're going to be the kind of church that just isn't for the divorced. Be the kind of people who talks about those things like, like on the side, gossip, you know. Just be a collection of people who fit the mold. We're not going to be the people who never fight. Remember last like, week, a couple weeks ago we talked about anger? We never throw hands. We never raise our voice. Never get mad at anyone who makes mistakes. And the people who went down that path, like, sorry, you're not good enough. I call this the Flanderization of the church. You never seen Simpsons? You know Ned Flanders? What does Ned Flanders say? Homer spits at his face. Homer takes the extension cord, plugs it into his neighbor's house, and has his whole house set up on Ned Flanders' house, right? Homer's cursing him out. And what is Ned Flanders? Oakley dokley. Neighbor, you know? And has that, 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 that face, that outward appearance all the time, never showing weakness, never showing sin now the kingdom of God is made up of real people but the kingdom does bring real change into our lives so instead of being that church that just like the divorced people are missing <laughs> we want to be the church that's mixed with all types of people but don't hear me wrong here we also want to be the kind of church where People who were separated experience the miracle of coming back together. We want to be that kind of church too. So we want to be the kind of place where God is at work and where we have grace. Where we understand when we read Jesus' words, as soon as he said, when you look at somebody and you lust after them, you have committed adultery in your heart, we realize it's only God's grace. It's only God's grace that we aren't more messed up than we really, we know we are. And we have no room to judge anybody else. We have no place to judge anybody else. And yet at the same time, that doesn't mean that we sit in who we are and just say, that's what I am, I celebrate it. No, we want the kingdom of God worked in us and we want to grow in that and in every other area of our life. We want to be healed. We want to be a church that has a place for brawlers. We want to be a place for brawlers, for people who like to fight, for people who scream each other down. 
and see them be healed and see them take what is true of that anger and take it and channel all that energy into something good because there's a whole bunch of kids that need some uncles. There's a whole bunch of things that are wrong in our neighborhood that needs people out there and we got to take that anger and we got to take our dad issues and our mom issues and we got to channel that into building God's kingdom in Gloucester as it is in heaven. So it's not like we just disconnect and just become drones and just nice people that never talk about anything bad and then to keep up, you know, people that are trouble to us at arm's length. No. We dive in deep with each other. We dive into the real stuff. So it's in that background we dive into our topic today, which is in Matthew chapter 5. And by the way, we have plenty of these Bibles. We have plenty of these Bibles. And so if you need a Bible in your home and you don't have one or the one you have is full of like shouldn't and thee and thou and you can't totally, it's not totally accessible, it's hard to read, you can have one of these. This is for you. It's for free. Okay, it's our gift to you. But I'm just going to read it for your hearing. We are in Matthew 5, verse 33. Starting in verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said of our ancestors, you must not break your oath. You must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because it's God's throne or by earth because it's his footstool or by Jerusalem because it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more than that is from the evil one. So there's a whole bunch of ways to look at this text and come at this text, but tonight I want to focus on how this text is talking about how we use our words and how we can use our words to manipulate other people. Because right off the bat, we see three levels of manipulation in this text. We see, first of all, it wasn't kosher. And by that means, it wasn't according to the law and customs of the Jews to use the name of the Lord. So you wouldn't swear by the name of the Lord. You wouldn't even say the name of the Lord. It was too holy. And even when it's written down, even to this day, by Orthodox Jews, they'll write, even if they translate it into English, G-D. D. Because it was, it's just too holy. And so what you have here is you have them getting around that, just like every other example, like the anger and the lust, right? And the marriage, and Moses told us we can just write a certificate and we're good. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. So what did they do? Instead of swearing to God because that wasn't kosher, they swear to the things related closely to God. They sweared by his holy city. They sweared by the earth. 
They sweared by the heavens. And then the third level of this is they are swearing not to, not to signal their true honesty, but why are they signaling at all? What are they even trying to communicate? What is it you're doing when you say to somebody, I swear to God. What is it you're doing in that? Jesus' lesson is clear. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And sometimes we still try this. And we don't have all the Jewish hang-ups in the culture. But let, let me tell you something. If somebody says, hey, baby, I, I swear, I swear to God, I'm never going to do that again. What does that mean? Don't believe that stuff, right? Don't believe that stuff. When your kid says, Dad, I swear, I swear I'll never do that again. I've had my kids say that to me. Say these crazy statements like, I'll never be bad again, I swear. We know somebody's lying, you know, and, and sometimes we try to step it up, you know what I'm saying? And we'll be like, I swear on my grandmother's toenails, who's dead, you know, like we just, we make it ridiculous, right? And the more ridiculous it is, the more we're trying to hide the fact, the more emphatic we are, the more we're lying, and all of that is called manipulation. But just like the Lord's teaching on adultery that we did last week isn't just about a married couple and you committing the act of adultery, this is not a teaching exclusively on making oaths. This has to do with your heart. Do you say what you mean? And do you mean what you say? This is a, uh, this is not some super legalistic specific teaching. See, oaths are solemn vows, solemn promises that, that point to somewhere. And, and, and Paul later in Galatians will say stuff like, in the presence of God, I did X, Y, Z, right? The issue here. The issue here is the heart, like it's been the whole time. What is your motivation? What is your motivation? Here the motivation Jesus is seeking to assault, seeking to beat up, seeking to expose is that motivation of manipulating. He's trying to help his people. Jesus says that the children of the world are sometimes more wise in the ways of the world than the children of light. What does that mean? It means that sometimes, sometimes people who follow God, sometimes people who try to follow Jesus can be the most naive people on earth. And you'll see them falling after everything. <laughs> Going after all kinds of stuff. Being manipulated all the time. 
watching that TV and hearing crazy stuff like, well, if you give me a thousand dollars, I I got a healing for you. Woo. And it's like when you're hopeless and you're sick and you're dying, you're gonna grab onto whatever you can. But the problem with all that stuff is that none of it is rooted in what Jesus taught. And it doesn't represent even what Jesus promised. Jesus wants to warn you. He wants you to be aware, to not be taken advantage of. See, there is no godliness in the kind of kindness that's taken for weakness. Emotionally needy people. Listen to me. I I want you to hear this. You're going to find people in your life who are emotionally bankrupt. In their bankruptness, they are going to try to manipulate you. Let me hurt your feelings. Most of us have interacted with each other. Let me hurt your feelings. You all have manipulated each other. I've seen it. We all do this. This is not the them. Right? We want people to like fill up our cup. We want people to fill up our need. Financially bankrupt people will try to manipulate you. They'll ask you for help. Then you get them and you take them on the ride. And oh, 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 there's like five other spots I need to be. Can you help me with that too? (laughs) And I think that most of us have been done like that and a good most of us have done that. Amen? (laughs) Because when you're bankrupt, what happens? You get desperate. You get desperate. And you're looking around people. And you're going to start saying these things. Like if you loved me, manipulation. If you cared about me, you'd do this. Manipulation. God told me. God told me. Manipulation. One of the most insidious of all, dangerous of all, is the being bankrupt in self-worth and seeking to get self-worth from outside of yourself, from other people. And that can play right into what church is all about. So you can come and you can serve and it makes you feel good to serve. You know, and you come to the food bank and you come to the things that you're asked to do and you feel better about yourself, but you're, you're striving in a way that God doesn't need you to strive. Jesus says that you cannot change the color of one hair on your head. And some of you are like, nope, that's wrong, Revlon. But listen, <laughs> it's not what we're talking about. <laughs> 
you can't change your life, really. Right? We can do makeovers. We can dye things. We can whitewash things. We can paint over things. But you can't really, you can't really change what happens in your life. At some point, you get sick. At some point, your life starts to change. And you'll know, if you're not there yet, you'll know at some point in your life that you're not in control. You're not in control of your life. And you will feel bankrupt in all type of ways. And you might be literally bankrupt. What is God calling you to? Not to manipulate but to realize that he is the one who's in control. I'm not talking about some high-level them, evil manipulator stuff. I'm talking about like my nine-year-old daughter, right? She's got a master's degree in manipulation. I know Jade's got a master's degree in manipulation, right? These sweet little girls that look at you and know how to get what they want and have learned that. And what I'm trying to say is, is that all of us in our different ways, we all have learned these dysfunctional and messed up ways of trying to get things from people and trying to get by in life. And we want to break free from it, don't we? Do you want to break free from it? I want to. I don't want to be that kind of pastor. I don't want to be the kind of pastor who leads with pressure. I want to be the kind of pastor that leads with peace. Like you know I'm prayed up. You know I'm praying for you. And you know I got peace in my heart when I'm talking to you. That's the kind of pastor I want to be. I want to be the kind of pastor who leads with love and not demand, who leads with example, who leads with my own hustle, who leads by doing it and saying, come do it with me. And not by someone sitting in the back row saying, you go out there and you do it. (laughs) Who can be free. I want to be the kind of pastor who's free to say really hard things. Like really hard things sometimes. That are hard to say. And I might be afraid you'll just never come back. And you won't like me anymore but I love you enough to tell you what I'm seeing and I want to say it to you. And I want for you to be all those things too. I want for you to be those kinds of Christ followers who do all those things in your marriages, at your job, with the people you live with, in your home. We have to trust God on a deeper level for our reputation. So we don't have to manipulate things. We have to trust God for our daily needs. Pray to him. Before you call 20 people, do you pray to him when there's a thing coming up and you don't know how to get out of it? Do you pray to him to meet your emotional needs for your deepest sense of self-worth? Or are you even going to church and maybe putting a couple bucks in that box back there and serving and stuff for some sense of worth? But there's something so much better than that that God wants to give you than just being on that hamster wheel of trying to be good enough. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? Like God just wants to give it to you. I said the kingdom of God is received. It's not earned. Yeah, you got to work it out. There are kingdom workouts. You'll sweat. You'll faint. You'll crash and burn, right? I have. But there aren't kingdom tryouts. All you got to do is say, Lord, I want to follow you. If you'll have me, answer is always yes. <laughs> yes. Don't care how jacked up you are. Don't care how messed up you are. I'll follow. You can follow me. Paul says this crazy thing. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. That is a mind-blowing thing to say. He says that in the context of talking about how he was the last one to see the Lord Jesus. He was the last one. He wasn't just the last one in the sense of in time he was the last one. He was also the last one in the sense that while the other apostles were going around and sharing the gospel and loving people, Paul was actually going around and trying to put Christians in jail. He was trying to stop this thing. And instead of, instead of saying, you know, woe is me, I've wasted most of my life, my ledger's in the red, there's nothing I can do, I wasted all this time. What does he say? He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And though I was the last, and though I was the greatest of all sinners, I've worked harder than all of them. <laughs> and what I'm trying to say is, like, God's not, like, scared of your manipulation. He's not scared of your naiveness. He's not scared of your divorce. He's not scared of anything you've done. He's not scared of any of that stuff. You can say with Paul, I am what I am by the grace of God. He's not scared of your addiction. He's not scared of whatever illness you got. You can say, I am what I am by the grace of God. Not I am what I've been. Not I am what I wish I was. But you are what you are. You know what that is? It's a mess. But a loved mess. Do you hear what I'm saying? God loves you. He died for you. So let me end with this. Let's not be gun shy as a people to make promises, to affirm people, to love people. Let's not redeem words and things done with hidden motives. So let's not be a people who are shy to make commitments. Let's not do that. Let's not be like, well, Jesus said, don't make any oath. So I'm not getting married. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not promising anything. I'm not committing. I don't want to disappoint anybody. So I'm not going to commit to the church. I'm not going to commit to my family. Don't do that. Let's not be the type of people who were burnt, you know, and now we're shy. Like, I don't want to get burnt again. Let's be the kind of people who learn how to love each other. Like I said in the beginning of service, we, part of our mission is we want to be a family together. And I was really struck by Mez McConnell's imagery where he said, you know, over there in the projects in Scotland, what they want to do in their churches is when they bring people in to their community, they say, listen, this is our desire. 
We can't make you do anything. But this is our desire from our end. We want to hold your hand to the grave. That's my desire too. We're committed to you. Because God is committed to you. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that we would be people that don't have to sauce up our language. I pray that, Lord, when we say we're going to do something, that we would become increasingly people who do it. I pray, Father, we'd be not afraid of commitments, but we wouldn't be too quick to make commitments either. We wouldn't make commitments just to win approval. We wouldn't say, yeah, we're going to do something just because we feel like that's what people want to hear. Lord, make us honest people. Make us new people. Make us people who know that you died for us, that we might live for you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.